this person swung his foot straight into my nose, broke it immediately, just because he fucking like right. <laughs> kicked me straight in the nose. And I blacked out. And I was like, what is going on? And there's like blood coming out of my nose. But I stayed for the whole show because I was like, ah, like I'm 16. Right. Fuck it. Tacoma Bridge, Washington, opened only a few months ago, was built at a cost of over $6 million. But misfortune overtakes the great structure. These are some of the most amazing pictures ever recorded by a newsreel. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. This is another episode of Scoped Exposure Podcast. I'm very delighted and excited to be welcomed and joined by Brenna of Denial of Life. Thank you so much on uh, for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So um, shout out to Jessa, who's definitely going to be listening to this uh, episode of the podcast. Uh, DOL kind of got put onto my radar through uh, Jessa and, you know, fast forward with couple of rescheduling things, but you guys just kind of wrapped up doing a little Western Canada leg, which I always love to see because uh, I think a big why behind scoped exposure is trying to give more attention to the West side of the country versus just what Toronto and the Eastern side is, uh, is up to. So mm-hmm. to see uh, Denial of Life do an entire, you know, tour throughout uh, Canada and kind of see what we have to offer and be able to play with some of the locals was very exciting. Um, and obviously, I'm a big riff fan. So the minute you guys were playing, I was like, this is my shit. And, uh, you know, we wanted to, uh, and, and we also talked about this as we were setting it up, because uh, we had to do a, a, a few rescheduling things. Um, and I think we were originally going to do this interview before all the van troubles that you were having. Yeah, I think we were uh, talking about doing it before. Um we actually went on the Canada tour in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I remember yeah. talking about that, like right when we got into LA or something like that. Yeah. And, and, and whether it's like, I need to reschedule cause I have something on my end or like someone forgets, uh, like whatever the reason is, it's always very serendipitous of like something, a meme blowing up on the internet or like something like a van issue, but like, you know, thankfully, you know, that will be a, a portion that we get to eventually on the podcast. But like, it, it's always like, interesting that it instead of, you know, and I've been on the other side of it, too, where I've had someone on and then a month later, they're quitting the band. And if we had rescheduled it enough times, like maybe we would would never done the interview at all. So um, stoked to have you on. Um, before we get into the music chats, it's tradition here to check some bevs before we get off to the races. So tell me what you're going to be sipping on for the show. Um, well, first I will be sipping on a raspberry pure leaf sweet tea. Very uh, nice. Delicious. And then, uh, my second Bev is going to be a little bit more caffeinated. It's one of the Starbucks Frappuccinos. Nice. <laughs> a classic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like to drink one of those before I go to work or do anything important. Um, mm-hmm. because it really energizes me like no other <laughs> so yeah do you, do you find that the because i'm assuming you pick that up at like a local you know gas station or convenience store of some kind yeah. i always 
like I feel when I see those, I feel daunt like it's a daunting choice to do that versus if I was just getting a Starbucks thing. So I was like, it, are they the exact same? Is is the ones that you would buy at Seven Eleven or any convenience store just like caffeinated out the wazoo? I, I just I don't know if you've a b tested them per se. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, like out here in Washington, we have a Starbucks on literally like every corner and <laughs> True. every True. single part of town, you know, so um, these definitely, I got to say, don't taste like as good. I'm a very big fan of like sweet, sugary drinks. You know, I'm not really a plain coffee type of gal mm -hmm. by any means. So, but um, yeah, these like... I don't think they're as good as just like getting an iced coffee at Starbucks, but honestly, it's way more convenient. So, totally. <laughs> yeah. I, I was just thinking, uh, my one of my very first jobs when I was growing up, I worked at a uh, at a Wendy's, and we have. Is there Tim Hortons down in Washington? No, unfortunately. No? I, I but wish you're you're, you're aware of of, yeah. of Timmy's, so uh. This was back in the day, and I, I'm sure that this is pretty common, like where it's like the KFC Taco Bell or the Wendy's Tim Hortons yep. like combo store. Mm -hmm. I feel like in your neck of the woods, there would just be a Starbucks connected to another Starbucks. Yeah, that would just be normal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, ah, yeah, that man. line's too long. Honestly. I'll just go to that one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, but th those are those are good choices. Uh, wh what's your like normal if you were like if we were a bigger podcast and you're like I want to bring a, a primo bev to this show? Um, what's like the what's the Brenna Starbucks order? You know, put it on the record Shit. if in case anyone wants to bring one <laughs> to the to the next DOL set. <laughs> it's actually it's kind of embarrassing because I feel like. Um, you know, like those people who order at Starbucks and they have like those super long orders and you're just like, okay, like, yeah, it's, <laughs> they, they pull out their medieval scroll and go like this. Literally. You know? Yeah. Okay. Mm. But I am one of those. <laughs> <laughs> There's no, sh no shame. Well, the thing on the menu already has a long name. So it's just like when I add something to it, oh, okay. just one thing, it's like, Damn, like you're talking. Okay, so I'll just tell you what it is. Yeah, yeah. Hit, hit me with the title. Okay, so it's an iced uh, brown sugar shaken espresso with oat milk and then add a couple of pumps of cinnamon dolce syrup in it. Light ice also. <laughs> that is a lot of... That was a lot of words. I know it's a mouthful. That's like literally like boss level wordle. Like it would just be like, how, how the hell do I even translate this um, but it, it you know to your credit it doesn't help that the original title is already so long that's what i'm saying yeah it doesn't yeah. it doesn't help at all like, yeah, like when i'm not adding work, much people are like oh i'm gonna run over to starbucks and get something to drink do you want anything i'm just like um <laughs> i'll just have a nice vanilla latte just tell, yeah. just tell them that because <laughs> I, don't, I don't care <laughs> yeah yeah uh when i was on my last work trip my my boss was like i'm going it, we're in between podcasts and he was like, I'm going to to get a coffee. Do you want something? And I, I feel like my special drink is a, an ice dirty chai with oat milk. Ooh, I feel like, it. yeah, like that's, mm -hmm. that's the shit. It snowed here today in Calgary, which is just the way it is at times. It'll just randomly snow and then it'll be it, plus it's snow. 20. It was snowing here like five minutes ago, just mm. literally for like 10 minutes. Yeah. So oh, it still is, but yeah, <laughs> super random uh, though. Yeah. Um, but why was I saying that? Oh, I was saying that because 
in the summertime, that's all I like to drink. I'll have like my morning coffee and then I'll do an ice dirty chai if I'm like going out and, and getting something midday. And when I said that, he just looked at me like, that's the, are you like Mr. Fancy Pants over here with your, your crazy <laughs> drink? Because he'll just drink like, uh, like a cold brew or like, you know, yeah. something with that. So I feel like after, after three or five words of, for your coffee order, it gets like more fancy or you're being bougie, but your, yours is yeah. like almost like the front page of a book. You know? <laughs> like 10 fucking words it's so embarrassing and like yeah. logan for instance the guitarist and do you well logan he'll get like he's always like oh yeah let me just get an americano like you know super mm-hmm. simple and then i'm like um <laughs> I have to like, yeah it's yeah. just always embarrassing every single time <laughs> yeah but you know i i do i will say a lot of those longer name Starbucks drinks are like really maximize the taste and the sweetness versus it's if you're just really good something. honestly yeah totally. highly highly recommended to anybody but and, yeah it's- and I and I love the serendipity that you know maybe we talk about it enough on the podcast that someone's rolling up at your next show with that in hand and be like did I get the order right and <laughs> that would be then, great then you guys are best friends um <laughs> Bev's for me. So uh, this past weekend, I was just in uh, Jasper for my wife's um, birthday. We were just kind of doing that. And something that's crazy as a Bev aficionado, um, I always like being in a random town, I always just like look for Bev's. And and I have very low expectations because I'm like, they're going to have like, they might have bubbly or they might have like, you know, three flavors of liqueur or something. But Mm -hmm. for some reason... Jasper, which like for those that aren't familiar with Western Canada, it's like five hours kind of northwest in from Calgary. So it's kind of like you're deep in the mountains. Um, Like it's a it's a mountain town. But I got this pharma or sorry, pharma (laughs) karma (laughs) farming Bevco, which is a peach soda. I've never seen this before. And I'm going to be trying with you, uh, trying this with you for the first time on the show. So I'm uh, quite excited about it. Yeah, that sounds fire. There was also, I didn't get this in um, Jasper, but I feel like the Bev highlight of that trip was I got a lightly sparkling mineral water that was cherry flavored here in town. Mm -hmm. And I brought, and that was like, I'm really glad I got the four pack and not an individual because I was just... It was just slant. It was like the top of the trip for sure. Damn. So it was lightly sparkled though. Yeah. And it was mineral water. So like in my mind, I'm imagining like a Topo Chico, but like in a can like this and cherry flavors. So I'll I'll have to check it on on an upcoming episode because it was that good, honestly. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, Brenna, cheers to you. Stoked to do this podcast and thanks for coming on the show. Cheers, Spencer. And cheers to you, Jordan, as well. Jordan, that was your first ever cheers, man. How do you feel about that? I'm so happy. So happy. <laughs> Anytime I ask Jordan to respond, even though he's just a black square on my screen, I just imagine him trying to like, he's got a million buttons as far as our setup is concerned. He's trying to find the unmute one. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Brenna, any new guests that I have here on the show, I always like to get a bit of context as far as how they got into this sphere of DIY music, 
hardcore heavy music however however you want to spin it so take me way back in time and tell me like the first time that you were like finding out about this subculture finding out about this style of music and kind of what put you on the path initially um okay well i was probably around 12 years old and um my two best friends who are still my best friends to this day uh, one of them, her name is Sav. She was like this MySpace scene queen, you know, she was like super popular in MySpace and had like a bunch of MySpace friends. And she always had the coolest songs on her profile and all this stuff. And I just thought she was so, so fucking cool. And because she was, but anyway, she was going to shows at like at this place called the Viaduct, which is now real art. <clears throat> in Tacoma. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So, um, it was called the Viaduct back then, though, and we basically, like, she was going to these shows and then coming back and showing me the music that she was listening to. So, like, there was, like, Weekend Nachos and, um, God damn it. How can I not remember this? I'm, like, I'm just, like, trying to remember the exact band, but I'm not going to remember right now. But anyway... So she would just like come back and show me and Tiana, the other best friend, all of these bands. And I really took a liking to it. And everything that was just really aggressive and really like socking me in the face, you know, wise, uh, with riffs and whatnot. And so, and I really thought that I just thought moshing was so cool. And I thought that like just the potentiality of getting hurt in this mosh pit was really Hi. cool um and yeah so basically I just started going to shows when I was like 13 and really just like I would always throw myself into the mosh pit immediately <clears throat> be right up front for the whole show um go to every show that I possibly could you know there was a lot of DIY venues in Tacoma at the time so they made it really easy to go to shows like every single week in the middle of the week, you know? Um, so yeah, there was a ton of local bands that I got really into. I never really dove into hardcore until like actually seeking out hardcore bands, um, until I was about 18 because I was really focused on punk music specifically and wanting to like do like some kind of, uh, weird like I wanted some like gun club type of sound and I wanted you know this like like you know the band Lysol from Seattle by chance uh no I'm more familiar with the cleaning product than the actual band but uh, yeah that, that makes sense <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> they're this punk band from Seattle and they okay. like I, they were one of the first ones that I saw at a DIY venue in Seattle called Nuthole that I would hang out at all the time. And I was just super inspired by their sound. It was just very like pure punk, you know? Mm. So I was really kind of chasing that for a while in the bands that I was in at the time um, and seeking out those types of bands. And then when I turned 18, 19, I started going to hardcore shows every once in a while. And then I started like, you know, I started listening to Turnstile, honestly, and I was like, oh, shit, like, this rips. And then I started getting deeper and deeper into it. And then once I got into DOL, it was like Nick, 
my drummer is like this big brained dude who just has this like insane, uh, like he has like a file on every single hardcore band in existence in his head, you know? So he's just, he's been showing me everything, um, every single band that I need to know and like every band that I've ended up loving, you know, um, for the past like three or four years. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, a lot to unpack there. Um, I think the first being what attracted you more to that, like pure punk kind of side that you were saying versus like the, maybe the, the more harder stuff. Cause I think the thing with hardcore that's really unique is that to me, it doesn't matter where you came from. Like you could come all the way from like, I was listening to folk music and then I heard like, this is going to be a weird analogy, but bear with me. I could listen to folk music. I could, and then listen to city in color and then find out Dallas green was in Alexis on fire. And then that starts the rabbit hole of getting into some of the harder stuff. Um, but like, you know, like myself, I was listening to a lot of like pop punk and like very cheesy metalcore before I was, understanding what hardcore actually is but i guess like i'm i'm just curious on like you were seeing both but at the time you were more attracted to pure punk and and why that was um well i'd probably say it was because of the the, my friends you know um that's those were the bands that my friends were in Mm. that was like you know i was hanging out at this venue all the time that was a punk venue. Um, but also like, I just really liked the sound of rebellion, I guess, you know, like, even though that sounds really corny, um, I was really, you know, anti authority, anti don't tell me what the fuck to do, you know, um, Mm. growing up. So anything that like gave me that really, um, I was just, I latched onto. And also I think accessibility because when I would go to hardcore shows, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like it was like kind of a um, male dominated space and a super like masculine vibe that I was intimidated by, you know, and I didn't really feel like I could infiltrate necessarily. Yeah. Um. So yeah. And like the punk scene was way more, um, welcoming to that. And, you know, they had way more female singers and, you know, I don't think I had even known a hardcore band with a, well, yes I did, but I only knew like one band, one hardcore band with a Mm -hmm. female singer, you know? So yeah. Yeah. It's, I I won't name the, band specifically but i saw a really funny story where uh it was more in that like oi kind of punk kind of space where it's like uh this band was playing and someone had reshared it and it was like a bunch of just like like dudes who were just like shaved heads they would wear similar clothes and then the next story was a screenshot of a dm in response to that story saying like all y'all look the same except for one guy wearing a hat. Yeah. <laughs> and like, as funny as that is, it's like so apparent that like people feel not only like welcome, welcomed into the scene, uh, but also inspired when they can like see someone on stage that they identify with. And, you yeah. know, if we go back 10 years, like a lot of it was like just white 
dudes. And, you know, I yeah, think absolutely. hardcore yeah. in 2022 is in such a great space of like, you know, there's um, not only like girls who are fronting bands, but also like playing guitar and playing drums and playing bass. And then you're seeing yeah. just like a huge mix of uh, uh, races and cultural backgrounds. That's just like, it's just normal now. And I think it's awesome that it's normal. Um, and I just, I think a lot of people look to the past and just like put that on a pedestal while I just see how great things are right now. Not I, only on like a <clears throat> listenership, but just like a community aspect as well. Yeah, I 100% agree. I feel like right now it's a lot more inclusive and a lot more um, of a, a, I don't want to say like a safe space, but it is a safe space and a lot more of a just pleasant experience for everyone involved, you know? So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's like recognizing, you know, there's still tons that, everyone in the in the scene can do and you know i i have multiple conversations with friends like i think it falls on all of us but i think the people that have those bigger influential polls like the people that book fests as far as like being intentional about booking the bands um not to like play that like oh here's the the one band that has the female person in it but like i think just being aware of that and conscious that that needs to happen to, to some degree whatever degree that that person wants to make now I, now i'm trying to, a new tactic jordan's seen all the tactics with, with my crazy hyperactive dogs but now i just have treats in my pocket now i'm gonna just Genius. silently just you know do them um okay so we'll pick it up here um so brenna let's talk about denial of life um i think dol has been a band that i've seen really trying to be as active as possible and i think in this day and age in hardcore, I think there's a lot of bands that can, like, it's not that touring isn't needed, but it's not as essential as it was kind of pre-pandemic times. So I, when I see bands that are touring as much as you guys or bands like Zulu or Scowl or uh, really anything, it's it just catches my attention that much more. So let's start or, or just origin story of the band and how that came to be. And then we'll kind of move into some of those things. Okay. Um, well, I have known all three of the boys since I've known Nikki since I was 15. I've known Spencer since I was 16 and I've known Logan since I was 18. Who's, uh, um, who's Spencer? Is that the, the best. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I don't. I think he was maybe the one dude that I did not talk to uh, at that show, and now I feel bad because mm -hmm. we are we are the same but different. Yeah, I actually <laughs> I think I was talking to you, and I said your name to like get your attention or something. I don't know. Oh, it was when I was talking to you when we were on stage, and I was like, "Oh, if you need anything, Spencer, like if you oh. need a, you know." He looked at me and he was like what <laughs> I super confused so i thought that was funny it's, um, uh can i tell one uh quick spencer story and then i'll let you yeah. uh continue that um when when i started um uh dating my now wife uh she has a cousin named spencer and then i was like i've always been like the first spencer for a lot of people and then it was like mm -hmm. i'm coming into this family where i'm like i'm i'm you know you know, they would say it across the room and I'd be like, what? And like, oh, no one wants to talk to me. Like, I'm just like the in-law. Uh, anyways, start, start of DOL. Oh, yeah. Um, 
so yeah, basically known all the boys since I was a teenager. Um, they've all been active in the music scene um, in Tacoma specifically for a long time, especially Nick. Um, and anyway, so uh, we all knew each other. Uh, I was living up in Seattle and so was Logan at the time. And basically he, I was working at Sizzle Pie and he was also kind of working there. I think he worked there for like a week. Um, and he approached me about starting a band because he told me he had liked my vocals in the last band that I was in. Um, Which was, and, or do you want to plug the old band or you're like, eh, let's not do that. <laughs> I mean, I am not the biggest fan of the album, but I don't mind telling the name of the band. It was, it was a band named Jinx. Mm, um, okay. I've yeah. listened to Jinx and, before. Really? Yeah. Like my Jinx? Yeah. I, I assume there might be multiple Jinxes, but... Uh, it's spelled like J-N-X. Oh, yes. Yeah, I have... And here's why. <laughs> what? Okay. You see this Totodile here? The minute that I found out there was a band named Jinx, I was like, my Pokemon brain's like, oh, like the Pokemon. Like, that's crazy. I don't know mm-hmm. if that was intentional, but that's what caught my attention. And yeah. No, it wasn't. But I mean, that's crazy because <laughs> I feel like that's like the most uh, the f- person furthest away that I would ever expect to listen to that band. Like, I definitely, I never would have expected that. Um mm. But yeah, so I was in that band for a little while. I think that was like six months or something. And then um, we ended and Logan basically told me he liked my vocals and asked me if I liked Sacrilege, which I had never listened to at that point. Mm. And I was like, I don't know, like, let me take a listen to it. And I listened and I fucking loved it. And I realized like that is the type of music that I want to be making. So um, he asked me to front his sacrilege worship band, basically, (laughs) you know? Right. And so, yeah. And then we started out with uh, this one drummer, but that ended up not really working out. And so Logan suggested Nick and Nick and I did not have a very good history at that point. I really, I was like hard. Fuck. No, definitely Mm. not going to be in a band with Nick. Um, I hadn't seen him. So this is also the context. I hadn't seen him in about probably like six years at that point. Hmm, So, you know, a lot can change in that period of time. Um, But I really did not like the person he was (laughs) six years before that. Um, So, but Logan was like, you know what, dude, like give him one chance. Like, let's do one practice with him. Let's see how it goes. Mm. And it went really fucking well. I mean, Nick is an incredible musician, you know, and I honestly had a great time with him. And I was, so I was like, you know what? Okay, let's take him. And then uh, Russo came into the picture, not like shortly after that, I think either, I don't remember who suggested him. It might've been Nikki, but um, yeah. And everybody just fit in like a glove, you know? Hmm. So, I don't think I've ever heard of someone who was like originally like hard. No, I don't want this person to be in a band, but seeing not seeing it through, but just being able to be open to allow like, let's do a jam. Let's see how it happens. And then it's like, yeah, like um, 
that makes it work. Was that just like, um, how do you, like, have you always kind of been in that position where you're like, um, maybe having a history with someone and like, have you had other opportunities to be able to like, let's give it a try. Let's see if this person has grown, uh, and, and like cooler heads prevail or anything. Or was that kind of the first time where you're like in, in the sake of hardcore, I'm going to be open to that. Yeah. I would say that's the, well, yeah, I'd say that's the first time. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah i i am very curious just on the sake of like there's definitely been people that i've like been in bands with that like we just butted heads the whole time and i've always thought like you know and and for for like and not even butted heads musically but just like maybe personality wise and i've always thought about like you know could i ever be in a band with this person again or like could i ever be in this in a in a project with a person um that I've like never been in, but like, you know, maybe there's some kind of like weird kind of tension between me and this person. And I've, and I like the idea or, or just the challenging thought of just like, Hey, maybe if you had something with someone, maybe jamming with them on like a project could actually work and just being open to that. Um, mm -hmm. but I think, you know, it's definitely a lot of pressure because being in a band, uh, in a serious project is like, your your family because you're like working through everyone's schedules and doing all these different things it's a yeah. bit easier when it's like hey we might play like a couple local shows a year but that might be it so yeah. at the time was do you, like did you think dol was just going to be that like we're just going to be like doing some local things or was the the plan out the get-go like we're going to go and and hit the road as much as we can that yeah definitely it was um logan and i kind of decided like when we started the band we were like we're taking this as far as we can go you know mm -hmm. um we were determined because we really liked the music that we made and we really liked playing with each other and we really you know enjoyed um writing together as well and especially now like I feel more motivated than ever because we when okay, I got I gotta say, like when we wrote the demo, right? It was kind of like, okay, yeah, like this is DOL, I guess, you know. Um, but it didn't really feel like that was like the right sound. Like it wasn't exactly what we wanted, you know. Hmm. And um, but then we wrote scheming. That song like completely changed everything. That was when like Nick even was like this is my band too. Like I, cause at first he was like, I'm just the drummer. I just work here. Like, don't ask me to do anything. I'm not writing any fucking riffs. I'm like not taking any responsibility. And now like he's doing all of that, you know, and <laughs> sure. even further, you know, it's, so it's, we're a lot more motivated now than we were before. And we were already, you know, ready to take it as far as we possibly could. So, right. Yeah, so it sounded like one release or like maybe it was even one specific song itself that was like, oh, I understand it now. Because I think a lot of a lot of the time it's like, yeah. th this is very similar to my own projects. It's like, we're just 
when you have certain expectations that are like, hey, we're going to do stuff, but like we don't really know what we're going to do sound wise. And then over time, it's like, oh, now I actually know the shoes that I'm stepping into. And now mm-hmm. I know how to how to walk and how to, you know, the pace that I want to set with it. And I feel exactly. like without, do you think that without putting out that first initial release, like you guys wouldn't have been, been able to find that per se? Um, yeah, just because it kind of felt like a warm up or like a practice, you know, right. it felt like we needed to crank out a few songs that maybe we felt a little unsure about or whatever, you know, and it also, I think it really helped me as a writer because I, you know, I love writing songs. I love doing that, but like, I didn't um, really know much about vocal patterns. I didn't really know a lot about melodies. I didn't really, I'm not a super experienced vocalist, you know, before this, I was only in the one band that I fronted, you know, um, so it was a huge learning experience that I think we needed for sure. Yeah. And, and I think like with anything creative, like putting something out and like having it literally on the chopping block for people at times is like the way to really learn like this, this works, this doesn't, the next time I approach this, I'm going to do this better. And that could be anything from making music to drawing, uh, uh, different styles of art. And the, and I find like, sometimes I get a little bit too obsessed in like the process of things where like, you know, I'll just kind of like jump, uh, jump into something like with this podcast. And then Jordan's like, well, maybe we like do a test run or something like that. And I'm like, no, 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 let's just put it out. And I want to be told it sucks. And then I can like kind of grow from there. Cause I like the idea of just like showing that it doesn't need to be any kind of creative endeavor endeavor doesn't need to need to be fully planned out totally. um, and i feel mm-hmm. like band stuff is kind of the same like there's n- it's almost more embraced to just like stick a microphone in the middle of the room and play the songs like 75 percent correct and then put it out and then it's <laughs> yeah. like a super raw demo um uh-huh. versus trying to like do that and i and i feel like there's never one way to go about it and that's you know there's a reason that we have a lot of uh diversity on production when it comes to hardcore you know you get the bands that like do stuff like that and then you have the people that are like very meticulous of that um but this is a very long-winded way of me just saying like putting something out that you made almost teaches you more than you just holding it on and like reframing it and like doing all these things absolutely Um, and and to your point um, even if, you know, and it's not like every band needs to have like 10,000 releases because it's like, oh, we've always been learning, but I'm sure that, you know, even Jinx was like a starting block of like doing a couple things and then putting it out and then that band breaking up. And I find it's always like a couple releases. And then if the band doesn't work, you're still taking that experience into the next project. Absolutely. Yeah. Nice. I'm really thankful for that whole experience with Jinx. Um, because I had never been, like I said, I'd never been a lead vocalist before that. Right. Um, I'd done some backup vocal stuff and I sang for like one song with this horrible band that I was in, you know, before that. And so I just, I didn't know how to perform. I didn't know, like, I didn't know my voice at all, you know? And so I am thankful for that 
practice. Right. Uh, Jordan, I realized Jordan texted me because he needed to adjust the camera. So, Jordan, you can uh, make your mark and adjust your camera now. I was like, who uh, is texting me? I, well, I sent that, and then your dog barked, and I did it during that. Oh, okay. Cool. Well, so, uh, we could yeah. just pick it up. Uh, uh, what time? Also. It's 3.12 your time. Okay, cool. cool. Yeah, we still got like half an hour-ish, mm -hmm. if that. Um, so let's fast track to some more current stuff. So uh, like you said, DOL, very intentional about like, we're going to take this as far as we can. Um, I've seen y'all playing a ton of stuff, uh, like Jake specifically, because that's like home, uh, home base. Um, but then there's like, you know, hitting Western Canada. And I'm sure that there's a lot of other things on the calendar here. So with all that happening, I'm going to use this as like a little bit of a segue into the van woes of the band and kind of how that uh, happened. So uh, let's start like, just tell me like very bare bones of how, like what initially happened. And then we'll go like step-by-step step of like recovery and discovery and, and all those other things. <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, uh, we were staying at our friend's house in South Central. The van was just parked on the street, you know, uh, and we woke up one morning and I asked Logan if he was going to take the van out at all that day. And he was like, the van's gone. And we were all just like, oh, okay cool uh don't know what to do so we you know we're calling every single tow yard in la uh calling the police tow yards and like you know just like searching the neighborhoods like combing every single alleyway every street looking at every single van that we saw for three days straight like seriously we we're all packed into our friend's car and just like driving all over and yeah. And did you have a, a break from shows or were you like supposed to play? Um, oh, like later on. <laughs> yeah, actually it's really funny. So the morning we woke up and he told us the van was gone. Uh, we had a show that night in LA. It was our very last show of tour also. So we were on Shoot. the very, very last day of tour. We were going to go home. Like, the next day or the day after or something. And, uh, yeah. And we just got screwed. So luckily our friend who we were using his car to search for the van, he let us use that to load up our gear and stuff. But we were obviously like missing a bunch of stuff to play the show, mm. which was really shitty. Um, but you know, we were black, we were backlined. So that's cool. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Yeah. So initially when you guys were searching, it wasn't clear if like it got towed or stolen. Uh, is that right? Or yeah, it was, was it very no... clear that. Yeah. We had no idea because uh, there was no broken glass anywhere, like where it was parked. Mm -hmm. um, nothing that really indicated that, you know, and so, but, and we were like parked the tiniest bit in a red zone. So oh, we were okay. like, it could have gotten towed. We don't know. And we've heard these horror stories of like people towing your car in LA and then like screwing you over and whatever. So we were just kind of assuming that that was the case, but 
Later that night, we found out that definitely was not the case because Logan and I, after we played that very last show, we were like, fuck it. We want to go out and do something fun, get our minds off of this. And we heard about this party going on, this like rave thing going on in downtown. And we were like, hell yeah, we're going to go party and have a good time and forget about all of our troubles. Right. Yeah. So we go and we are having a really good time. We're like socializing with a bunch of people, like meeting a whole bunch of new friends. And um, we went with the homie Nate, who's in rapid response that we were also on tour with. And he turned, we were outside smoking and he, I heard him say, yo, is that the van? And we turn around and I read the license plate and it was the van, like literally being parked in the alleyway across the street from the venue we were at. Oh my God. Yeah. That's so, like straight out of a movie. Dude, this whole experience has been <laughs> so fucked. Like I don't understand how lucky we are, first of all. And also like just the, the sequence of events, it blows my mind. So yeah. Right. So we see the van, right. And I'm all, wasted and pissed off and like reactive. So I just start running after it. Um, really, really naive decision on my part. Um, the boys chase after me, you know, and I'm like, I go up to the window and I screamed something at the dude and he's this handsome, like hot dude driving the van yeah i know it's really weird and he's like wearing he's wearing one of logan's vests also and i thought for some reason i thought i don't even know what i was thinking honestly i really don't but obviously he speeds off uh logan and i chased after the van as much as we could and then we hopped in nate's car and just started combing the streets of downtown Mm -hmm. For the van. And, and, we didn't and I'm sure it. this is at like midnight or some obscure. This is at hour. like four in the fucking morning, I think. Right, right, right. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, and I'm pretty positive. This is what upsets me. And I know it upsets my bandmates as well, or at least did at the time, you know, is like, did, homie was parking it. Like, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm pretty sure he was just going to go to the party that we were at. So I could have just waited, you know, and watched him. But I Mm -hmm. was, I was honestly really scared that we were going to lose it, which I mean, we ended up doing anyways, but like, I just, I needed to do something and right. That was it, you know? Yeah. So that is (laughs) when they do a movie about, about DOL and this (laughs) scene happens, I can just, would be cinematic masterpiece. Um, Yeah. I can't wait to see that. (laughs) So you, you find it, it gets away again. Um, a couple more days go by. And then at some point you're like, we can't be just staying here. We, we gotta go home. Um, so, and you just correct the record. I'm just trying to make sure that we cover this and, and make sure that we hit the other things. Um, you fly home. When, when is it and how does it happen that you get a that you find it even though you've already you already are home at this point? 
Uh, so we ended up flying home. So obviously we couldn't take our gear back with us. Right. Um, so we left it at our friend's apartment. Shout out Nate Khan. Um, and how many days, uh, did you, how many days after the van initially being stolen, um, are you flying home? I'd say about four. Okay. So you would have, like you said, driven back the next night or the maybe say one extra day, but it's like almost an entire week of like, where the fuck is the van? You know? Exactly. Yeah. And I think being there was driving us a little crazy, you know? Um, so we just, we needed to go home, um, and just kind of like gather ourselves, you know? So we did that and we were home for about a week and a half and Logan took my car down to LA to pick up the gear to bring it. Um, And while he's in LA, he gets the call that the van was found. The cops pulled them over, apparently. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the tow yard that it was at was, or no, where where they got pulled over was like five minutes away from where Logan was, which is insane. Again. (laughs) Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. It's like he just so the whole. To be in this LA. is not even a movie anymore. This is just a Netflix documentary series. <laughs> I know <laughs> about about Dol in the van. Um, that is so crazy. Um, yeah. So and and did did you find out anything about this supposedly handsome dude that is out stealing people's vans? I mean, not really. We found like a bunch of laxatives and shit in the van. So laxatives kind of. Yeah, so we're kind of, I mean, there's, like, kind of the inference that, like, maybe homie was, like, shooting dope or whatever. Um, Yeah, but, like, uh, besides that, no. And he... Like, why are you trying to shit in the van so bad? Like, that's my... my, (laughs) my, He goes, I can't steal a bathroom, so I'm going to (laughs) use Yeah. Luckily, he didn't shit anywhere inside of the van, so that's cool. That Uh, that would be... that's like a black mirror ending to the show, but, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's, that's crazy. And, and the reason I, I'm, I'm really, uh, glad that you, you know, we could talk about this in a, there's a happy ending, you know, it still costs you guys a lot of money with all the searching and like, oh, yeah. you know, having to do all that stuff, but it's the, the better, uh, it's the better ending versus like, Oh, we never saw it again. Cause like guaranteed there's like, a handful of people that either know someone or have been affected by like a van being stolen or stuff in a van being stolen while, while out on, on, on tour. And that can really take, take a toll on a lot of bands. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And what's crazy. And I'm like ultra appreciative that that huge hit for a band of, of your guys' size, like it didn't slow you guys down. And I think that's like, the huge thing that I'm trying to hit on here as far as like a band to pay attention to is that like you guys are like about doing it like at like no matter what's in front of you. And I think that's like ultra sick to see. So, Thank you. Of course. And, and and I think it's like, Oh, it's Western Canada. We can just cancel it. But you're like, no, of course we're going to do this. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy. Um, is there any like for people in bands with bands that have because i have i have 
theft paranoia out out my asshole. Like I'll if I'm going into the store for five minutes and I have a camera bag on me, it's like that's going on, on my backpack because I don't want to be the person that has to put up a thing. So yeah. with this whole experience, is there anything or any takeaways that you're like, okay, we're gonna do this, we're gonna park it here, we're gonna someone's gonna be in the van at all times. I'm curious if I'm sure you you've had discussions band wise about that. Uh, now oh, that, yeah. now that's back in your possession. Definitely. Uh, we, so we definitely have, uh, I highly recommend having tracking devices hidden well in the van mm-hmm. or on whatever it is that you are not trying to lose. Um, but also, yeah, we've been doing the thing where it's usually just one person in the van at all times like sleeping in there no matter where we are like even in Boise like we stayed at this really nice house it was like in the middle of the suburbs like actually sick and I slept in the van because it was like we're fucking determined to never have that happen again you know right and even though we have those like GPS things or whatever you know it's like could still get stolen they could find those GPS things and throw them away you know like yeah Every precaution that you can possibly take, mm-hmm. do for sure. Yeah, uh, the I think uh, the Apple Air Tags, I think they're called. Yeah, um, I, I I know that uh, friend from the show, Bill Crook from the band Spirit Box, was like, you know, spend the money and get some of those. Like, put one on your wallet, put one on your like in your guitar case. Like, he was in a situation where he was flying somewhere to play a show, and he could show the airport people like my guitar is here when they're like, we don't know where it is. It's like, look on my phone. It's got the tag, go find it. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, like one of the very first times that I got to have uh, a band stay at my house was, um, it was crazy. It was, this was years and years and years ago, but it was Gideon and hundredth were doing a tour together and they both stayed at my house and like parents lived in very like, you know, middle cal- middle class, like very nice neighborhood, like barely any crime that's happening. And it was like adamant that the merch guy was like, no, I'm sleeping in the van tonight. And and at the time, I'm like, dude, like nothing's going to happen. But at the same time, you never know. And I understand, you know, it's better to be like, I might not get the best sleep being in this van, but I know at least if someone is trying to be sussy, I can just like be there versus, you know, stepping outside and, and, you know, our biggest asset of our band is gone. So absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I know we're all willing to do anything to make sure that never fucking happens again. Cause that yes. was horrible, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, and I've heard like crazy things, especially like from other people that there's like, and, and this, this may be hearsay. Like I'm not, don't use this as facts as like Spencer said it on the podcast, like half the shit I say on here, it's like take it with a great assault. But I heard, um, that there's like some like very underground, not underground. Like there's like rings of criminals that like plan out, um, like stealing bands, vans, like a, a tour poster will go out and that tour I've poster heard about is that circulated. As well. Yeah. That yeah. shit is like so crazy and the fact that like there are people that are like looking at uh like a tour poster of a band that's not 
fucking Metallica or like someone of that level and they're doing it for for you know a group of whoever people who are scrounging up all their you know pocket change to be able to purchase a vehicle that they can go out and go on tour and they're like these are the these are our targets and yeah that shit fucked. is so fucked yes yeah i i will never understand that because it's literally like we're not rich by any means we can't just <laughs> fucking replace it like it's nothing you know i right. mean yeah so it's really upsetting that people would want to do that especially to like yeah small bands you know Mm -hmm. i I think just being like i think that there's a notion if you play in a punk or hardcore band that it's just kind of like a fuck it kind of attitude i think with anything you just need to just be so on it when it comes to like have we dotted every i and crossed every t as far as like what's the smartest thing here and that could be anything from like hey maybe someone should sleep in the van or hey maybe we don't leave backpacks uh just out in the open uh when we're you know not in the vehicle or or anything like that i think just being like oh this this sucks and then being like well what are the things that i could have actually done to help prevent this so yeah absolutely um so obviously dol is off to a really busy uh start to this year um when is like when is the next release kind of in the works and what do you guys have coming up that you can talk about because most times bands are like we can't talk about this until the fall or next year or whatever it is so whatever you can share as far as what you guys are working on and, and what you're focusing on let the people know okay um well we've been working on a full length uh for the past eight months probably Mm -hmm. just constantly writing and recording uh right before we went on our west coast tour we wrapped it all up and uh so yeah it's it's being mastered right now so uh it should be coming out within the next month or two possibly but i'm hoping the next month i'm hoping as soon as possible um, cause I really can't wait to share that with everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, um, we've got that coming and then also we're planning a full U S tour right now. So that's really, really exciting. Um, I cannot wait for that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be playing my hometown in Ohio, which is really exciting. I'm like setting that up with some homies out there. Um, so yeah, that's, um, that's awesome. Where did you originally grow up in Ohio? Uh, I'm from Akron, Ohio. Okay. I have no I, idea where that is. <laughs> oh, that's, that's totally fine. It's like 30 minutes, 30 minutes South of Cleveland, 30 okay. to 45 minutes. Um, I only lived there until I was about five, but I returned back every single year, maybe twice a year sometimes Hmm. um i just recently spent like three and a half months out there with my family um so yeah um very special place for me and i actually just recently when i was there for three and a half months just recently went to a hardcore show there and met people in the scene and actually talked to them about music and everything and it was really cool Mm -hmm. being able to either go back to your original scene if you moved or like being able just to experience any other hardcore scene and kind of be that like 
that newbie in the room, even though you have your own like backstory and, and years of yeah. experience, I think is like so humbling. Like it is absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like so, I go to the show here, everybody knows who I am. You know, I'm like, they know who DOL is, you know, it's like, right. I'm, it's not new whatsoever. And then right. when I'm out there, I, I like went to this house show. It was actually a 200 stab wounds show. And they played this garage of someone's house. And there was like maybe 20, 30 people there, like not many people at all. And everyone seemed to have like known each other forever. And it was like this very intimate setting that I was kind of infiltrating is what it felt like. But <laughs> I was, I was very much so welcomed with open arms. I made a bunch of friends and um, actually the person who's helping me set up the shows I met at that show. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. That's, I love that. Just like being able to, if you have time and cause it could be for a number of reasons, you could be on a work trip, you could be seeing old family, you could just, you know, have a layover but like, if you know that something's happening, like being able to jump on those opportunities and being able to experience that. Um, the last time I was in, in California, like our work stuff wrapped up and I was like, oh, there's this rotting out show that's happening in San Fernando. That's like 45 minutes away. It's going to be an expensive Uber, but fuck it. I have to go. And then I like yeah. ran into <laughs> like three people that I've like had here on the podcast, but haven't met in person yet. And just like very randomly. And just like, it's just so cool just to like indulge in that and, and chase that. So that's very cool. Absolutely. Um, are, are you the type of person that's like, I'm going to bring my parents to the show and have them see me do my thing. Or you're like, you stay at home. I don't want you seeing any of this. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> and that could be for any of your family who's, who's out there. Yeah, totally. I'm very much welcoming to my entire family coming mm-hmm. to my shows. My parents live in well, in Tacoma. Right. So my dad, growing up, my dad was the lead singer of bands my entire life. So um, he kind of jumps at the opportunity to come and see me perform whenever he can. He actually, mm-hmm. one of our first shows he came to, and it was in the basement of this like college house people were like smoking cigarettes inside and, you know, like drinking beers or whatever. And we were just about to go on and he walks in through the door and I saw him and I said, Oh shit, my dad's here. <laughs> and everyone, like, literally, <laughs> it's so funny. Everyone was like, what? Like, <laughs> like they were getting in trouble or something. <laughs> oh shit my dad's here yeah Man, that's hilarious and he like he parted the seas of the fucking of the pit and like mm. literally walked right up to the mic and he pulled you know <laughs> he's like very much so a showman you know he went mm. up and he was like are you ready to rock <laughs> i think he was like denial of fucking life <laughs> wow so- <laughs> Brenna's got the coolest dad of everyone listening on this podcast. I like to think so, yeah. <laughs> my, my dad's the kind of person that I have to like, hey, if if you want to, there's no pressure. And then I think the last time my dad saw me play live was like maybe four years ago. So not even like in the band that arguably is the best of, of what I've you know been in. And uh totally. 
he's like, a, I'm going to stand in the back with my beer at this bar and then just like watch my son do that. And then afterwards, not really know how to compliment or say if it was good or bad, but uh, your, <laughs> yeah, totally. your, your dad sounds about it. He grabbed that mic yeah, and he's like, this is my show. Literally, if he could take over the show and be the lead singer instead, he would. <laughs> I mean, he already takes the show away from me anyways, because right. he's a star. He can't help it. That's so But yeah, funny. when I'm in Ohio, when we play our Ohio show, I'm really hoping that um, my entire family comes. Honestly, I'm really looking forward specifically to my nephew coming, though, because he's 11 years old mm. and he's very into punk music and he... You know, I'm like, I'm the cool aunt because I'm the lead singer of this hardcore band. And um, he's helped me to write lyrics before, you know, which is actually pretty incredible. He like, he helped me to write a few lines of a song on our full length, actually. Wow. That's They're awesome. fucking sick. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm really proud of him. It's, he's honestly just such a good artist to begin with. And he's the only fucking now he's 12 actually sorry uh but yeah he's only 12 years old and he's so good at so many things i'm just so excited and i want him to like be up on stage with me or something you know i want him yeah you need that. that like you need that moment of you guys playing a big fest and it's you know filmed by someone like me or, or Sonny or whoever. And then, you know, he comes on stage and you pass the mic to him and just That's all these kids, good. all these people going up. So hopefully <laughs> we, can, we can make that happen one day. Uh, <laughs> so. Brenna, let's start to wrap up the show. The last okay. question I asked before I let any guests go was a favorite mosh related story that they would like to share. And that's like Ooh. anything that's first to your mind could be funny, wholesome, uh, scary, uh, bloody, gory, <laughs> However you want to spin it is how we start to wrap up. Okay. Damn. Well. I'm sure there's uh, a million rushing to your head right now. Yeah. I've got, I'm kind of torn between like three right now, actually. Okay. I'll just tell this one. So uh, there's this house show uh, in Tacoma. It was this place uh, called the Kush House. And they had this basement. They rarely barely through shows because the basement ceiling was literally six foot tall. Like everybody's oh. heads were like scraping That's up against exactly the- how tall I am. So just, it would just be me scraping the top of my head. Yes, exactly. Okay. But somehow for some reason, people were uh, crowd surfing and like basically just like laying super flat and just being like scraped across the ceiling. Uh, so that was crazy. And I got, I basically, I got lifted up and I was up there for like, I don't know, like 30 seconds or something. And then I was being put down and somebody was being lifted up at the same time as I was being put down. And this person swung his foot straight into my nose, broke it immediately just cause he fucking like, Right, <laughs> kick me straight in the nose, and I blacked out. And I was like, "What is going on?" And there's like blood coming out of my nose. But I stayed for the whole show because I was like, ah, "Like I'm 16, right. fuck it, you know, whatever." And then I had a super swollen nose and black eyes the next day. So, yeah. <laughs> I will say I don't think any guest has like 
demonstrated a kick like you just did <laughs> on the podcast. And I have to give you a round of applause for that. Um, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't. So it sounds like people either running this show or people who would attend these shows were very much encouraging the stage diving or n- not even the yeah. stage diving, just like just p- picking people up and just like scraping them on the cement. Yeah. Pedaling. Yeah. Which I would be like, was- don't, don't pick me up. I, I'm not, si- I'm not, I'm not signing up. <laughs> um, do you, do you, we have time for one more? I was just going to say, you're like, I'm thinking of three Moss stories. I was like, oh, you can share one for each Bev that you have. But. Oh, shit. Okay. All right. Well, actually, this one is not necessarily about me. This is about Nick. Okay. I just will never forget the story that he told me. Um, if that's okay, do I have to share a personal one? It doesn't. Yeah. It, it, if it's something that you... You, you've shared your personal word. Let's do the Nick Mosh story. Okay. To, to end it uh, So basically, I think, so Nick was like at, um, oh shit. I wish I could remember what show it was. I wanted to say it was Cannibal Corpse, but I might be wrong about that. Um, but anyways, he was stage diving. This is at Studio 7 in Seattle. And he was stage diving and they're like really not down with that whatsoever. Mm. Uh, and so at one point the security guard like got a hold of him and dragged him into the back hallway. Like there's a door to the side of the stage and drug him to the back hallway, threw him down. Nick had just broken his leg, right? This man stomps on his broken leg and breaks it again. Yeah. The security guard. Yeah. Uh, And they're like tussling and stuff. And Nick is like, let me the fuck go. You just broke my fucking leg. And the security (laughs) guard was like, yeah. And the security guard was like, fuck you. Like, get the fuck out of here. And he's like, I can't fucking move. Like, you literally broke my fucking leg. (laughs) And somehow I think the security guard like threw him out with his broken ass leg. So yeah, that's that's pretty much the whole story. There's just something about venue people and they just get on a power trip and they're, it's just like what they say goes and you're like, can we just take a second and just talk this out like adults? And it's like, no. And I'm like, holy fuck, calm the fuck down. Like this is a hardcore show. People are going to want to jump off the stage. Like that's not that crazy. It's like, they're okay if they get hurt by doing that. Right. You know, they understand what they're doing. And at hardcore shows, it's like everything is free reign. You know, in my opinion, it should be like jump off the fucking balcony if you want to. Mm-hmm. That's none of my business. That's yeah. you, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You could jump <laughs> off the balcony and what happens happens. And it's exactly. not like any anyone's fault, but the person actually doing it. Um, but exactly. Brenna. This has been a great chat. I wish we had more time, but I want to be sensitive of um, you having to, to bounce. All your links and the band links will be in the description in the show notes. But if there's anything you want to plug, shout out or send the people off with before we wrap up. The floor is yours. Um, okay, well, shout out Earth Exit. Shout out Rapid Response. Uh, shout out to all the fucking Canada bands that we played with. Um, yes. And- honestly like I had such a great time and I met so many great people and 
I was turned on to so many fucking awesome bands. Um, so I'm really happy about that. Um, and shout out to my boys, Logan, Spencer, and Nikki. Um, I love them so fucking much. And shout out to Tiana and Sav, the girls who basically introduced me into everything I know about music. So yeah. That's that's full circle <laughs> full circle shout outs, if I'll call it that. Um Brenna, I uh, really appreciate you uh, not only coming up to Western Canada, but also coming on the podcast. I hope that you guys are going to make a trip out again soon. And I'm sure that we'll cross paths uh, sooner than we think. So again, yes. thanks for coming on and jam with me. Of course. Thanks for having me. <laughs>